Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Port St. Lucie. Let's join Next Gen Pastor Will Price as he speaks on What Happens Here. Amen. So how many of you know that there is a time and a place for everything? You guys agree with that? And what I mean is that, you know, there are some things that are appropriate for one place that may not be appropriate for another. And if we could, let's just go ahead and get passing gas out of the way, okay? Out of, out of either end. Can we talk about this this morning? Are you guys awake and ready to talk about passing gas with me? <laughs> it's something that we all have to do. I don't know why it makes you feel so uncomfortable that I'm talking about it, but if you're single and you're dating, can I just tell you that the first date with the guy or the girl of your dreams is not the place for flatulence, <laughs> right? There's a time and there's a place for everything, okay? Uh, we can think about dancing. How many of you like to dance? It's okay. We're not in a Baptist church. <laughs> I like to dance. Uh, two of my best friends got married a couple of weeks ago, David and Becca. Yay! And we, we da- me and my wife danced the night away at their wedding. Um, and, and some of you may not like that. May, that may make some of you feel uncomfortable. I think dancing's okay. It's definitely become more and more inappropriate over the years. But please take note of this, that if you get the urge to do the salsa dance, a Baptist church is not your dance floor, okay? There's a time and there's a place for everything, right? Um, one night about a year ago, my son Ethan, who by the way would kill me if he knew that I told you this, so please don't tell him. But one night, he decided to sleepwalk. So it's late, it's like 11, 12 o'clock at night, and I'm watching probably UFC, because I'm a huge MMA fan. Um, but so I'm watching TV, and my son comes out of his room and starts walking towards me, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he doesn't say anything. He just keeps walking, I'm like, Ethan, why are you up? Doesn't say anything. This kid goes right into the kitchen, walks over to the trash can, pulls up the lid, and almost pees in the trash can. You know, and I'm like, the whole time I'm like, what are you doing? Whoa, no, wait, hey, hey, put that up. You can't do that. Ah, you know, I'm freaking out, I'm like yelling at him. And finally he wakes up and he's like, what am I doing? Oh my goodness. And so I like, I take him back to bed. The next day he's like, I don't even remember doing that. It's so crazy. but. You know, there's a time and there's a place for everything and the trash can is not where you urinate. So anyway, have you guys had moments like these where you learned that there's a time and a place for everything? Yes, we all have had those moments. But you know, as good as it is to be aware that things have an appropriate time and an appropriate place, I think sometimes we can allow that idea to go a little too far. And what I mean is that Sometimes we put so much focus and, and, and so much attention on what fits where that we end up compartmentalizing our lives and, and we live uh, fragmented and disjointed lives. And I don't think that's good, especially when it comes to our faith. But this whole idea of compartmentalizing, you know, I think about laundry. And I know this won't resonate with all of you because you do your laundry and it stays in the basket, never makes it to the drawer, right? Where am I? My laundry never makes it into the drawer, people. My wife should be raising her hand. 
and she's not, but I'm gonna be in trouble for that. But for some of you, your laundry is broken into categories and each category has its place, right? You got your t-shirt category and, and, and that category goes in the t-shirt drawer, right? You've got your sock category and your sock category goes in the sock drawer, right? Now let me ask you this, does your t-shirt, do your t-shirts ever go in the sock drawer? Okay, but you're 13, so that makes sense why they... But for most of us, no, they, and, and that's what compartmentalizing is. We, 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 you know, it's this thing we do where we divide and we categorize and we draw these lines and, and we do it when it comes to our laundry. And we also do it in many other areas of our lives as well. And, and here's the thing, when it comes to our tendency to compartmentalize, I fear that there may be some unhealthy tension when it comes to our relationship with God. And, and what I mean is that I think some of us, um, I fear, are compartmentalizing our relationship with God and, and we're putting him in a box. And a lot of times that compartmentalized box is the four walls of this church. Now let me explain what I mean. You guys help me out by finishing this, this sentence. You ready? What happens in Vegas you know, there's a reason why that slogan has worked for so many years. And it's because of the fact that uh, in many people's compartmentalized way of thinking, they want to know that whatever they do in Vegas is going to stay in Vegas. They want to know that they can go to Vegas and that they can live wild and crazy lives and that they can do stupid things and make crazy decisions and that they can go back to their work life and their professional life and their family life and, and that there won't be any consequences because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And my fear is that sometimes if we're not careful, we can adopt that same philosophy when it comes to our weekend experience where we start believing this idea that what happens at church stays at church. The idea that somehow this concrete box is a two-hour escape from our real lives and that what happens here stays here, that what happens here doesn't affect our lives out there. So that's what I wanna camp out on this morning. Because I think that some of us, if we're being honest, whether you know it or not, or whether you realize it or not, some of us have bought into this lie that what happens here stays here. And, and so I want us to wrestle with this a little bit this morning, and I want us to think about a couple of questions, okay? I want you to ask yourself, how do I get God out of this little box that we call the church? and into every part of my life. How do I begin to start living with the, the attitude and, and the compelling conviction that what happens here isn't supposed to stay here, but that it's supposed to affect my entire life, okay? So that's what we're gonna be talking about this morning, that what happens here isn't supposed to stay here, but that some of us might be living like that that what happens here does stay here. So let's do this. Let's open our Bibles um, to John chapter eight, starting in verse one. And let's unpack this idea again that what happens here is not supposed to stay here. 
John chapter 8, verse 1, tells us that early in the morning, he, talking about Jesus, came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. Now that's critical for what's about to happen. You know, Jesus had an incredible reputation among the people. He was a great teacher. He was a healer. People followed him, and they wanted to hear from him. And, and so that's what we have going on here. People are coming to hear Jesus teach. And so he sat down and he taught them. Well, then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something which to accuse him. You see there, people are coming to follow Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees don't like it, so they're trying to catch him in a corner. Verse six continues on to say, but Jesus stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So the story starts out with this woman who's caught in adultery. And as the scriptures have stated in that culture, and, and according to the law that Moses gave, anyone caught in adultery was to be stoned to death. And so basically this woman has been dragged into this courtyard by the Pharisees and the religious leaders, um, and, and, and they threw her in front of Jesus to see what he would do about the situation. But here's the thing. The Pharisees and the religious leaders, they weren't interested in seeing Jesus handle this the right way, okay? What they were doing was they were um, trying to set him up so that the people that were coming to hear him teach and following him would stop following him, okay? Um, they despised Jesus, and so they wanted him to do something wrong. So I just, you know, it was just a big setup. You know, they, they knew that Jesus had a reputation for hanging out with sinners, and they also knew he had a reputation for showing those sinners mercy and forgiveness. And so they think they've got Jesus backed into a corner and, uh, and they think they're gonna humiliate him in front of everyone. And so um, Jesus, the Bible tells us, stoops down and he writes something in the sand, okay? How many of you wonder what Jesus wrote in the sand? No one, great, all right. I wonder what he wrote in the sand. It's puzzling, it's, it's always been intriguing to me. The sad thing is, is we don't know. A lot of people speculate, but the Bible doesn't tell us what Jesus wrote in the sand. And whatever he wrote in the sand, it didn't have that much of an impact on the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And the reason I say that is because of verse seven. Because it tells us that they continued asking him, right? They're like, come on, Jesus, what you gonna do about the situation that we've got here? And so the Bible tells us there in verse seven that he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. What did he write? I don't know, because it doesn't tell us. But what I do know is that whatever he wrote, coupled with what he just said, really got their attention this time. Because one by one, the Pharisees and the religious leaders packed up their stuff, dropped their rocks, and they left. Verse nine, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no, Lord. 
And Jesus said to her, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What a great story. What a great story. And, and you know, I wish that I had time to really dig into this and go verse by verse. But here's the thing. This is what I wanted to point out to you from this story. Here we have this historical event where we see Je uh, Jesus showing grace and, and, and mercy and forgiveness to someone who is caught in sin, right? And, and, and we see uh, this moment where this woman is rescued and, and, and you know, there's a great lesson here where uh, we learn that you know, none of us can stand in judgment of someone else without being faced with, with our own sins. There's a lot of good stuff in here, but what's interesting to me about this story is that Jesus said, go and sin no more. Because the thing about that is that when he told her that, he was communicating to her that the moment that she just experienced was about so much more than feeling safe and feeling rescued and feeling forgiven in the moment. You see, the moment she experienced was also about the moments that she would experience in the days to come. That moment that changed her life was about taking what Jesus had done for her and allowing it to impact the rest of her life. I mean, if you think about it, you know, we don't get the story, but you gotta know the next day this woman had to wake up and she had to face the fact that she had a reputation and that she was almost stoned to death. She had to wake up the next day in light of what Jesus had just done for her. She had to wake up the next day and sin no more, as he said. She had to wake up the next day and choose how she was going to respond to men and not respond to them the way that she used to respond to them. Listen, this is what I'm trying to get at. This woman had the choice to either one, let her moment with Jesus affect the rest of her life, or two, compartmentalize that moment and leave it in the courtyard. And we don't know what happened to this woman some people uh, speculate that it was Mary Magdalene. There's really no proof for that. It's just, just a, a theory out there. I don't necessarily believe that um, because the Bible doesn't say anything else about this adulterous woman. But, you know, you gotta ask, you know, did, did she stop living in sexual sin? Did she go and did she sin no more? Well, maybe, maybe not. But don't miss the point here that this woman had an encounter with Jesus. He showed her forgiveness and, and mercy and grace and, and he rescued her. And then he told her to sin no more. In other words, this story really is about, hey, I'm gonna do something in your life and you need to allow what happens here to impact the rest of your life. Okay, I think that's a really good takeaway from this story. There's so much more to it, but a really good takeaway. The one I want you to hear today is that what happened in the courtyard wasn't meant to stay in the courtyard. What happened in the courtyard isn't and wasn't meant to stay in the courtyard. And can I just tell you this morning, if you think about it, what happened in that courtyard on that day is not much different from what happens in this room every weekend here at Calvary PSL. Am I right? I mean, for many of us, this place, this concrete box that we call our church, you know, there's a lot of really amazing things that happen here. It starts in the parking lot. You, get, you pull in, 
We have an incredible parking team. They get you parked and, and that makes you feel good and people greet you as you come in and you're like, man, this is a great place to be. I, could, I call this, this is like my family here. We have an amazing children's ministry where your kids can learn on their own level. We have an incredible worship experience here. You come in here and you hear people sing about God. Maybe you join in, you sing about God too. You come here and you hear a message from the Bible. And most weeks it makes a lot of sense unless Pastor Jacob is teaching. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get him back from last time. He dogged on me and so I just, I had to take advantage. He's a great guy, we love Jacob. Are you glad Jacob's here, our new life groups pastor? But we come here and, you know, we experience God here. And we bring our burdens and our hangups and our breakups and our mistakes and our sins and, and all these things that are broken about our life, we, we bring them here because we're searching for something. And, and quite honestly, I'm very happy to be a part of a church where you can come and find those answers. As we worship the Lord and as you're taught the Bible so incredibly well by Pastor Mike and all the other pastors. But you come here and you, you encounter Jesus here. I know you do. He speaks forgiveness and, and mercy and life-giving truth into your heart and into my heart, whether it's through the worship or the Bible study or the, or the fellowship. But am I right? You experience something here? You feel something here? You make decisions here? You resolve to be different here, but I gotta ask you this morning, what happens when you leave here? What happens when you leave here? I know what happens for many of you because I've experienced it in my own life. You know, we encounter Jesus here, but when we leave here, we get in our car, and we make a right turn out of the parking lot, and it doesn't take long for us to lose the feeling that we had when we were in here. Maybe some tension from earlier in the week comes up between you and your spouse or you and your kids. Maybe your spouse is moody. Maybe your kids are throwing a tantrum. Maybe someone cuts you off on the way home. Maybe you go into work Monday and you find out that you've been laid off. Maybe you go to school, kids, and you hear a nasty rumor has stirred up about you. And what we do so many times is we begin to look back on this time and this experience that we have in this room, and we think, man, why can't every day of my life be like church? I mean, I can't wait until we get back to church next week so I can get away from all of the drama. And can I just tell you, while we want you to want to come here, and as much as we want you to love what happens here, and as much as it makes us glad that you experience things here, and that you feel things here, and that you encounter Jesus here, we also want you to know that what happens here was never meant to stay here. What happens here is supposed to spill over into every part of your life. And can I just tell you as one of your pastors who loves you dearly, don't you dare compartmentalize our weekend experience here. Don't do it. Don't you dare put God in this box because this is not a place to escape the other part of your life that sucks. This is a place to come and celebrate that God is a part of every part of your life. Not just here on the weekends, but Monday through Saturday too. 
And don't get me wrong, sometimes I understand life is hard. Sometimes things go wrong. And I understand that it's great to feel close to God while you're here and, and that you feel things and you experience things and you make decisions, but it's not meant to stay here. It's meant to go with you on the ride home. It's meant to go with you into your home, in your workplace, at your school, in your relationships. What happens here is not meant to stay here. Because let me tell you something, the God who meets you here is the same God who wants to walk with you there. Please understand that this morning. Again, we don't know what happened to the woman caught in adultery, but what we do know is that Jesus spoke forgiveness and mercy into her life. Now, I believe she was saved. And he told her to go and sin no more. And, 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 and I don't know, but I believe that she walked away with the attitude and the compelling conviction to take what happened in the courtyard and let it affect every part of her life. And as we continue to think about this, I wanna invite you to turn to John 9 now, beginning in verse one. Here we find a, a story very similar to that of the adulterous woman, only this time it's a blind beggar. And in this story, we're gonna learn pretty much the same truth that we've been talking about so far. The difference is that the blind beggar gives us just a little bit more insight into what it looks like to take what happens here outside of the four walls. So let's look at verse one. It says, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So during that time, there was this uh, erroneous belief that um, blind people and those who were lame, that, you know, they must have sinned or their parents sinned, and that was the reason why they were the way they were, uh, which wasn't true. And, and Jesus... and Verse three, he said, you know, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And that's a, that's a good word right there, isn't it? You know, sometimes um, in life, you know, things don't go the way that we hope they would. And it's not necessarily because you sinned or someone else sinned. You know, sometimes things just go wrong, physically, mentally, spiritually but I like the verse that says that God works all things for good that, to those that love him you know and so I know some of you may be going through some difficulty in life some things may be wrong with you physically spiritually emotionally mentally but don't lose heart because I believe that God may be allowing you to go through that so that the works of God could be revealed in you. That God's at work in your life. That God may be allowing you to go through this so that he can do a miracle, so that he can encounter you and change you from the inside out and that his power and his awesomeness can be revealed through you. Let's look at verse four. Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva. And he anointed 
the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Um, that's gross. I, I, I remember doing a message about when people meet Jesus many, many years ago in student ministry. And uh, the title of my message was Holy Hawkin' Mud Pies. You get it? Yeah. I, I'm not gonna preach that sermon today. But uh, anyway, verse seven. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so he went and he washed and he came back seeing. Verse eight, therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, "Mm, he's like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and I received sight. Another incredible story, right? Of a moment where Jesus encountered somebody who needed him. So in this story, we have a blind man who was healed by Jesus and a lot of interesting things that happen in this story and a lot of stuff that we could uncover and and talk about. But really what I want you to notice is, is three very simple things. Um, and, and, and I really want you to take note of how this happened and also think about how this can happen in your own life. Um, but the first thing that I want you to notice very simply is that the blind man had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. The blind man had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. He was once blind. He encountered Jesus and he walked away seeing, okay? The second thing I want you to notice very simply is that After his encounter with Jesus, people noticed that something was different about him, right? He went to the pool, he washed, he came back, and people are going, hey, is that that guy? No, that's not the guy, couldn't be. No, yeah, it's the guy. No, I don't think it's the guy. And he said, no, it's me. And this is the third thing I want you to notice, and that's that he told his story. Okay, so you guys tracking with me? The blind man has an encounter with Jesus that changes his life. Right, And people noticed that something was different about him. And they began to question him and ask him. And so he told his story. All right, so follow me here, okay? The first thing that happened to the blind man was a life-changing encounter with Jesus. Jesus healed him of his blindness. And I gotta ask you this morning, how many times do you come here on the weekend and does Jesus heal you from some type of blindness? How many times has Jesus healed you of um, just an area in your life where you couldn't see things clearly, but you came here and you heard a word of truth and, and then you could see. How many, how many of you got saved here? How many of you rededicated your life here? How many of you have made decisions here because of the word of God being preached? How many of you have had your eyes opened to truth here? A lot of us. I know I have, and all glory to God. But I gotta ask you, what happened when you left here? For those of you that got saved, for those of you that have rededicated, for those of you that have made decisions here, where you were once blind about some situation in your life, but you came and you heard truth, and and then your eyes were open, what happened when you left here? 
I mean, for the blind man, he not only had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, but people noticed. So what that tells me is that what happened to him on the side of the road didn't stay on the side of the road, but he let it affect the rest of his life. He went to that pool and he washed and he came back a changed man. What about you? When you come here on the weekends and you experience things and you feel things and, and you decide things and you resolve to be different, you know, are you going back into your world a changed man? Are you going back into your world a changed woman? Did people notice a difference in you when you leave here? I mean, did you make a decision here? Did you encounter Jesus here? What happened when you were here? You know what I, th I think happens so many times is that we get distracted and we forget what happens here. Remember what I talked about earlier about going out of the parking lot and just getting in an argument with your spouse? And I mean, how quick does life turn us away from the decisions that we've made inside of a church building? Sometimes I think we get discouraged and we lose hope. Sometimes I think we walk away from here having decided something and, and maybe we are, are, are living a changed life for about a week and, and then something happens that we hoped would have never happened or something doesn't happen that we wish would have happened. And, and we, so we get discouraged and we lose hope. Sometimes I think we feel defeated by life and, and we just quit. And so here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Those of you who are encountering Jesus here, those of you who are making decisions here, I wanna encourage you to get a pen and to get a journal. Maybe use the insert inside your program that we provide for you. And I wanna encourage you to start making a habit of documenting what happens here in your life. What would happen if you did this? What would happen if you took a pen and you took a piece of paper and every week you started to ask yourself and write down, what is happening to me when I'm here? What am I feeling here? What am I experiencing here? How is God speaking to me today as I worship him through these songs? How is God speaking to me today as I dig into his word? How did I respond to God today? Maybe we should start writing that thing down. Because I'm telling you, it's so easy to get distracted, it's so easy to get discouraged, and so easy to feel defeated, and, and to not allow what happens here to spill over into the week. And so, wouldn't it be nice to have a reminder? So I wanna encourage you to start journaling your encounters with Jesus. Why? So that you remember. So when life gets tough, you remember. So you can go back to it and it can serve as a reminder that Jesus showed up in your life and radically changed you and impacted you and, and met a need and, and caused you from go to blindness to sight. Isn't he doing that here for you, church? Write it down so you can remember it and you can reflect on it during those times when you're going through tough times and then maybe you can pray and ask God to help you to apply what you've written down and what you've experienced outside of the four walls of this church, whether you're at home, at school, anywhere else that you find yourself doing life. And, and here's something else I would encourage you to do. 
as you experience things here and as you decide things here and as you learn things here and as you go um, from blindness, blindness to sight here, would you find someone to hold you accountable to what happens here? Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron so you know, one man can sharpen another. James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, encourage one another and build one another up. All those verses point to this truth that we need people speaking into our lives, yes? And so find someone to hold you accountable to what happens here. I'm telling you, if you'll do these two very simple things, I know they're not profound and earth-shattering things, but if you'll do these simple things, journal about your experience here and find someone to hold you accountable to what happens here, I bet that you'll be better off walking out of here a changed person. You know what happens when you walk out of here a changed person? Well, just like the once blind man, people notice you're different. And you know what happens when people notice you're different? They begin to ask questions. I told you my testimony earlier. I used to chase after anything and everything but Jesus when I was in high school and, and early on in college. And then I had a pretty radical encounter with the Lord and he saved me. And now I believe that he's better than anything this world has to offer. And, and I've given my life completely over to ministry. And, and I can't tell you how many times, many years ago, um, when Facebook came around, I can't tell you how many times people from high school would message me and they would say, are you the same Will Price I went to high school with? It was because there was something so different about me that it caused them to question. Like, remember the blind man, right? Is that him? Oh, no, it couldn't be him. Is that Will Price? No, it couldn't be him. No. And so people questioned me, and it, and it gave me an opportunity to tell my story. And if you will allow what happens here to go outside of these four walls and change you, people are gonna notice and people are gonna start questioning you and asking you, what's going on? Why are you different? And it's gonna give you an opportunity to tell your story. I love what happened, yes. I love what happened to the blind man, how they questioned him. Verse 13, the Pharisees come out, they they start questioning his parents. I mean, you know, th this guy's transformation caused heads to turn and questions to fly and uh, just caused this big ruckus, you know, in, in his neighborhood and, and, and in his world. And I, I've got to ask you, what happens here? Does it cause heads to turn and questions to fly? Is, is your relationship with the Lord causing a, a holy ruckus? in your neighborhood and in your workplace and, and in your family? Do people notice something different about you when you leave here? And do they wonder why something's different about you? And what would you do if they asked you? You know, this blind man really, honestly, he had a choice. When he walked back into his neighborhood, changed and different, you know how they were questioning him, is that him? 
yeah, I think it's him. I, no, I don't think it's him. He, he could have said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he could have kept living his life in obscurity. But no, he chose to take advantage of the moment and the opportunity to tell his story. Would you take what happens here and let it change you and spill over into your life outside of this concrete box? And, 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 and would you allow that change to give you an opportunity to tell your story? I, I really want you to think about that. Like what's going on with you and your weekend experience here? Do, do you come and sit and listen and feel things and experience things and then walk out of here the same person that you came in? Or does it change you? You know, I think it's easy to feel safe and to feel rescued and, and forgiven and, and, and to even feel moved to want to change when we're at church. But I want you to be honest this morning and I want you to ask yourself, what happens when you leave here? Just between you and the Lord right now, what happens when I leave here? I think our tendency as humans is to compartmentalize things in our lives and, 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 and man, God forbid that we compartmentalize him and what happens here. You know, let's be careful not to put God in this concrete box. Let's be careful not to check God at the door when we leave here. But instead, let's be a church that allows what happens here to impact our whole life. Let's be a church that allows our encounters with Jesus on the weekend to impact how we live during the week. Let's do this together. Let's rally together and do whatever it takes, even if that means grabbing a pen and grabbing a journal and, and writing down what happens here and then reflecting on it during the week. If that's what we gotta do, let's do it. And let's, let's be the kind of church that praise and, and ask God for wisdom on how we can apply what happens here to our lives. Let's do whatever it takes and let's do it together. Let's, let's take what happens here and allow it to truly change us. And when people see us and notice a difference in us in our neighborhoods and our schools and our workplaces and wherever else you do life, then let's tell our story about how we encountered Jesus and when we encountered him, it changed us and that we're different because of him. And come see all that we see. Come learn about Jesus. Come bring your burdens. Come bring everything that's wrong about your life to this place we call Calvary PSL and hear about Jesus because he can change you. He can change your life. Can we do that here on the Treasure Coast? To be a church that's about taking what happens here outside of here. God wants to use us, but he can't use people who leave what happens here, here. Earlier we sang a song. And I wonder how many of you sang it with a genuine heart. The words of the song said, I've decided to follow Jesus. I fear that for some of us, I follow Jesus is for the weekend. I fear that for some of us, the idea of following Jesus has everything to do with being here on the weekend and nothing to do with our life during the week. And if that's you, 
And you think about the woman caught in adultery, and that was sin, and, and, you, and you living like that is sin. And the same Jesus that encountered her is here to encounter you today. You think about the blind man, there wasn't sin in, in his, well, he was a sinner, but you know, he was blind and, and Jesus healed him. You know, what, what, what's blinding you? Is, is compartmentalizing your faith a blind spot in your, in your walk? God wants to heal you of that blindness. He's here to encounter you this morning and, and to help you become the kind of person that doesn't just sing, I have decided to follow Jesus on the weekends, but I've decided to follow Jesus Monday through Saturday too. One of the greatest gifts God can give his children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we want to help. Visit our website at www.calvarypsl.com and click on Knowing Christ.